This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. It's Lols here. This episode will be coming out Monday morning, but we're recording the intro Friday, Arvo, and it's just after five. The sun is about to set. Boss and I are going to head down to the ocean and dip our tootsies in the water. So beautiful Torquay is where we're living. We're feeling very, very lucky. This week's felt a little bit clunky energetically. I don't know if it's lockdown fatigue. I know the people in Melbs have got it a lot tougher than we do here. We're in stage three. But yeah, it's just probably felt a little bit clunky energetically this week. Do you feel me? Hopefully I'm not alone in that one. On a more positive note, today's guest is awesome. His name is Purvis Taylor. He is an award-winning celebrity life coach. He's an author. He's a speaker. This guy talks about the soul needing a tune-up. He's based in Brooklyn, New York, and so we check in with how New York is going right now as well. Um, He's really cool. Like He'll talk about trusting the spirit and trusting the gut. We talk about willpower. We talk about determination. He's vulnerable. He's honest. He's open. And it's really inspiring. I ended this combo going, ah, felt very uplifted and empowered for the day. And I really hope it does the same for you. Big love. Stay safe. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Purvis Taylor, I have been so excited to have you on this pod because you are a dream to research. There's so much information on you. There is. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I actually do my introduction in studio. So, but just for a little quick little like mini one for now, award winning and celebrity life coach, author, speaker. Um, and I went down, I think, have you written three books already? Yes, three. And the newest one is called, am I saying Seth? survival mode. mode yes, yes this sounds incredible i went down <laughs> looked up the four a's and i got really excited anyway i'm getting really pumped about this podcast because you it seems like your whole message is just so inspiring every interview i've watched with you every podcast i've listened of you Everything I've seen on your Instagram, I did a little Instagram stalk as well. <laughs> you seem so inspiring. So, how, first of all, how are you? You're in New York at the moment, is that right? Yes, I'm in Brooklyn. How's it Brooklyn. going there? You know what? We're actually we're doing good because we kind of follow protocol and yep. our numbers are extremely down. And so things are kind of getting back to normal. So you're seeing people in groups and things like that, but obviously social distancing and wearing masks. But we're, I think we're getting back to quote-unquote normal. Awesome. So where I'm, where I'm living, I'm from Australia. You can probably tell from my accent, <laughs> very strong yes. accent. But I'm from Victoria and we're back in lockdown. So full oh, wow. on lockdown. Yeah, we had a, a massive outbreak. And so I am really excited in a moment to kind of get your take on kind of turning what can be a really confronting experience into an opportunity 
to gain something positive about about it. But first of all, let's go back. I was in back. Australia, by the way. I was in Australia last February. I was in Wollongong. Really? What were you doing in Australia? Yes. So I was working with this organization, AIM, and yeah. it, I was there to, like, teach emotional intelligence to the Aborigine kids. <gasps> so, yeah, it was really dope. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, dude, amazing. Beautiful country, beautiful country. I didn't think you would have been to Australia, so I'm very excited about that. Um, yes. But I did a bit of research on you, and you're originally from the South, is that right? Yes, I am. I'm from Lancaster, Texas. Yeah. I study acting at the moment, and I'm doing a lot of Tennessee Williams plays, and so we learn a lot. I love to research, and so we learn so much about the South, and it sounds like the South kind of like has come from, I it's got this beautiful like, there's like a romanticism even to a southern accent, but then there's a lot of like historical things <laughs> that needed to change, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, the, the thing, the South is beautiful, but it, you know, like everything else, it has its ugliness. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, Southern living does teach you a lot of values. Um, it taught me a lot. Like, I'm, I don't regret being from the South. No way. And it's, I mean, it's beautiful too. Yes, it's complete. It's very beautiful. Absolutely. So then basically from what I've read, you were like, I want to get to New York. I'm going to be a model. I'm going to be an actor. I'm really into music. So you're obviously a very creative soul. Um, how old were you when you went to New York? 22. Awesome. Such a good age to do that. Yes. And you just And, and I'm yourself. 40 now. And I'm 40 now. So I've been here 18 years. Well, you look phenomenal, can I say. Thank you. Thank uh, you. So I guess I want to know how did you kind of go from, all right, I'm in New York, you were working in the music industry, um, mm. super creative, and then to go from that to becoming, you know, an award-winning life coach. Yeah, that's an interesting journey. Um, the, the long and short of it is, is that my father, he, he passed away from a heroin overdose suddenly. And I was in deep depression for a long time. I, I would say from like 24 to like maybe 28, I was in a deep, deep depression. Mm. And one of the things that I thought about, because I believe your purpose is like a through line through your life. And one of the things I thought about, I said, okay, so while I'm in this, I need to think about some things that at least made me happy or some things that brought me joy. And one of the things that was a commonality throughout my life, literally from elementary up until this point now, was that pe I was always the person that people came to for advice or I was the confidant. Like they would share stuff with me that I know they just wouldn't share with anybody else. And so I was like, okay, that's something you know, that, that brought me joy. And my father, actually, before he passed away, he prophesied that I would be doing the work that I'm doing today. So in his own weird way, I think he knew he was going to go. And, I, and he foresaw this future for me that is actually being realized right now. So, you know, I went through a very, very deep, dark depression. Um, I mean, I remember days where I wouldn't shower. Like, it was really bad. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that space helped me to be the dynamic coach that I am today because I, I can identify with almost anyone's pain. Regardless of what the pain is, I can identify with it because I wasn't so much pain for for that um, those years. Totally, I've I've heard you talk about your dad before, and you said you often talk to your siblings about he might have been undiagnosed bipolar. Is that right? Yes, I I think so. Looking back at it, because he would have these episodes of mania, 
And then he would have these things of depression where he would sleep in the garage. Like he wouldn't want anyone to talk to him or he wouldn't shower. He was just, you know what I mean? So like, and and he was also in Vietnam as well. So there's some PTSD in there as well. So definitely. So it makes sense that you've got this passion for mental health and, and I think shining a light on it. I don't know if you learned this when you spent your time in Australia, but in Australia, it's still considered strange to have a therapist or a life coach. Mm -hmm. And I am very pro-therapy. I see a therapist once a week and I have been for now three and a half years and it's my non-negotiable because it's it almost feels like a superpower when you can understand your own psychology and human behavior um but i i when i was researching your book i read that suicide rates are seven out of ten males is that right mm-hmm. and so most thought, suicides are committed by men yeah. yeah so i researched for australia as well and i was like sure like what are and, I, and it's in australia suicide kills more than eight people a day and we've got quite a low population compared to you guys and six of them are males two of them are females so it's similar Mm -hmm. kind of stats right Mm -hmm. and I think with males there's that bravado of like I need to be strong I can't talk about my emotion and I feel like you're almost like pulling the pulling that shield away and just being like you know I feel like that's kind of your power and can you just share a little bit about I guess, what you've learned about mental health specifically with men and I've seen that you write a lot about like kind of like processing past trauma and then kind of like turning that into thriving and, right. yeah, it feels like you've got quite a passion for men's mental health, which I love. I've asked a massive question. Do whatever you want with it. <laughs> well, no, you know, the, re- the, the reason why is that, you know, I grew up, I was molested as a child and, you, and the point that you emphasize growing up in the South, right? So black, white, Mexican, whatever, the masculinity is still the same. Like you don't deal with your emotions. You're taught to, you know, suck it up, be a man, keep it moving. And so I recognized that in my journey that I was in so much pain for most of my life. And I thought I had to start, I said, well, if you're in pain, maybe other men are in pain, but it didn't look like it because, you know, they knew how to function and I knew how to function. And, and, And so like, I got to the space of giving myself something that I didn't have. So I want it. So whenever I'm working with a man or a young man, I'm thinking about my younger self who didn't get that opportunity, who didn't get the teaching, who didn't get the nurturing, right? Um, through no one's fault, right? Because we only know what we know at the time. Totally. But um, to go to the, the largest scope, you know, what I've learned about men is that a lot of men are in pain and a lot of men don't actually have the language to articulate what it is that, that they're experiencing. And also too, which is important for women, I tell them all the time, there's a small window of opportunity for a man to be vulnerable. And once that's compromised, it won't open up again. Mm. And so I recognize that. So whenever I am privileged enough to, to enter that sacred space, I take full advantage of it because I know that it may not happen again. And I'm hoping that in that that window of time that I'm in there, you know, infiltrating and imparting the wisdom and the knowledge that I know, that it'll turn into where they'll open up more often. Oh, yeah. And I I heard a podcast where you said that often success is actually a coping mechanism or a shield for, like, covering up depression or something that's mental health because we're looking for worth and validation. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And men, we measure ourselves in output. Yeah. Right? 
and, 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 you know, you think about it traditionally, no matter what, you know, your culture, men are the providers. Men are, you know, yes. we're, we, we're the protectors. And so that's how we measure ourselves. But I'm like, that's a great measuring tool, but there's so much more. You're so much more. I, I say men, we don't get to be actualized um, anything else other than being a provider or a protector. And women get the opportunity to be actualized as sisters, as daughters, as friends, as, you know, as moms, as wives, you know, bosses, whatever it is you want to be. And, and for men, we don't ever get that opportunity. So, like, I just wanted to give men uh, the opportunity to honor their humanity. Like, you're so much more. We're so multidimensional. We're more than just, you know, the provider. And, and we shouldn't measure ourselves based solely off that one thing. Totally. You know? I love that you're, I love that you're shining a light on, on that, especially, yeah, mental health with men is, in Australia, it, like, it's rare my boyfriend and I both have a therapist and the, our relationship as a result of that. It, it has just, improved. Oh, it's, it's yeah. game changer. Um, yeah. I saw another thing on your Instagram where you talked about, and I think you were referring to the pandemic we're all going through at the moment, you talked about the importance of staying calm. And I think when... Yes. When we're triggered by something, it's really easy to spiral and lose a grip of reality. And I guess you, you kind of, I use the word, I always say if I feel like I'm triggered by something, oh, I feel a bit discombobulated because I've, I've taken myself somewhere very far away from the present moment. And I saw, you just said so simply, you were like, guys, we need to stay calm. What is the power in being calm? Well, I definitely think, you know, for especially like many of us feeling triggered, right, and, and not having the typical things that we can do to escape that triggered feeling. So like going to work or, you know, doing normal life like how we used to being in this space where we have to kind of confront mm. or, or, or at least experience the emotion that we're feeling. I don't want people to panic because psychosomatically we can incite symptoms of COVID. Right. If we, because totally. our mind, you know, because our mind is that powerful, and so I want. I think if we remain calm, we can. The answers can come to us. The clarity can come, or at least a bit of peace can come in the midst of that. Right. And so, like, that's my whole thing. Is like, I don't want you to be afraid of the emotion. I don't want you to panic when you see the emotion when you feel the emotion because it can become heightened and more heightened than it needs to be. And so that's the benefit of remaining calm. Because you're able to have a little bit of clarity, you're able to see it a little bit differently, you're able to process it, and you're able to respond rather than react. Totally. I love the combination of calm brings clarity too. I think yes. you can't really have clarity without having a calm state of being. Uh, this is going to sound like a really weird question, but I uh, this is a very, um, I, it's my own personal question. I love New York. I've been there quite a yes. few times for work and I just, I love the energy of it. But I feel like for all its inspiration, it's also a very tough city and, and it's fast and it's it feels like it could chew you up and spit you out if you weren't clear and grounded and, and focused. Um, what have you learned? You, you said you've spent 18 years in New York. What have you learned by living in, in arguably maybe the most inspiring city of the world, but maybe also the most one of the most cutthroat cities, you know, like really direct cities of yeah. the world? Man, you know, that's a that's a that's a vast question. I've learned many <laughs> things living here in New York. Um, I would say one of the biggest things, you know, they, it's corny, but it's true. They say if you make it, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. I've learned like I have this uh, 
especially working in the music industry, working at Dev Jam, I have this mindset of get it done immediately. So I have this immediacy thing about me wherever I go. And it's like, I'm not being difficult. I'm just, just get it done. And so like, I'm very much like on the pulse of things. I would definitely say that I've learned to not procrastinate. Oh, that's such a because gift. This is, yeah, because this is the city that keeps it moving. So yeah. if you, you know, and, and you have opportunities, I've learned that opportunities are few and far between that you have to seize them quickly. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Because New York is always on to the next. They're always on to the next. And so that those few things I learned rather quickly. That's one thing that I love. I love about Americans that Australians, we're much slower in business, in work, in if you're negotiating a contract or something, it can take weeks. In America, that contract is going to be on your, like presented on your laptop by the end of the business day if you've had that meeting. And I love, and that's what I always, um, when I'm in America for work, I I feel like on the plane I put this American hat on and I'm like, I'm here. (laughs) Lola is ready to do business. And it's so, I find it very empowering. And I think that get it done, that get it done attitude, it, it, it almost, it stops you from kind of like getting hung up on stuff that does, you know, you kind of let go of stuff quite quickly because you're so in the moment which I love. I've learned, I've learned to like let things go quickly living yeah. here in New York because you miss out on opportunities if you're staying stuck in one place. And so like that, I would definitely say that's one of the biggest blessings of living here in New York. It's like, okay, I got money to make. I can't really stay in this space. You know what I mean? Totally. Like I, to um, I want to ask you about the three A's in your book. Can you talk me for, sorry, I saw the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone listening. Had a little ha- handy hand on the other side of the Zoom going four lower. I had four <laughs> up, though, I promise. Um, yes, she did. She did. <laughs> so can you take us through the four A's? And Because I feel like anybody can relate to this. Absolutely. Um, and I appreciate that because I've had other podcasts and they've been women. They said, oh, my God, Purvis, I can relate to this. I know this is for men, but I can totally relate to it. So thank you for that. Um, the four A's or, are the things that were in common of the things that I did to walk through my pain and to get to a place of, of thriving and on the journey towards wholeness. And, and the, and they were the same things that I used with clients. They were the common. So I was, I was looking for what was the commonalities in all of us. And, and those were the four, there were obviously other things, but those four A's stuck out the most. So the first A is acknowledgement, right? Which is rather, mm-hmm. you know, self-explanatory, mm-hmm. but you know, I always say there's power in acknowledging something. And I, and I use the analogy of Alcoholics Anonymous, the reason why it's one of the most successful recovery programs in the world is because every time they have a meeting, they say, my name is Purvis, my name is Lola, and I am an alcoholic, right? So they just call it what it is. Yeah. They call it out from the jump. Yeah. So that's, that's like the first step to me in a breakthrough is just acknowledging something's not working, something's not, something happened, something's wrong, Right. The next A is acceptance, which is really hard Mm. for a lot of us because we feel like if we accept something, then we're condoning what happened. Mm. And that's not what it, that's not what it is. We're not in agreement with what happened, but we are in agreement that it did happen. Got it. You know, and just really accepting that, you know, I always tell people, and this sounds rather harsh for them. I said, you know, that thing happened to you, but you're responsible for for what happens from you going forward. Yeah. And so, and that's hard, right? So even me being molested or being bullied, 
even though that happened to me, I was still responsible for how I showed up afterwards. And acceptance brings power. It does. Uh, it, when you accept something, it gives you power. Because now yeah. you're like, okay, I'm accepting this, so now I'm in control now. Now I'm empowered, right? So then that, that's, that's number two. Third is articulation, right? Which is being able to talk about um, with emphasis, with description, with sensory language, what has happened to you. Because I believe, and you know this, um, seeing a therapist, your healing is in your words. Therapy is an exchange of words, right? And words are powerful. Words are spirits. And so the more language you use, the more words you use to describe your experience, the greater your healing can be. Mm-hmm. And so it's particularly as it relates to men, I try to have men become more verbal because, you know, men, a lot of us, I don't want to paint with a broad stroke because I don't want to get in trouble. But there are a majority of men who are not as verbal as others. Right. And even in the book, I say I say that, you know, there's data that says like men speak 10,000 words a day. Women speak on average 30, 20, 30,000 words a day. So it's like wow. a 20,000 word gap. Yeah. So it's like. So my point is to get you to use <laughs> more words. Totally. So, to expand your emotional lexicon. So, you know what I mean? Like, instead I of love saying, that like, word, by the way. Lexicon is oh, my favorite thank word. You. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. My acting oh. teacher taught it to me and I was like, whoa, how did I not know this word? <laughs> Keep going. I, I digress. My professor, Columbia, my prof- no, my professor in, in grad school. That's how I learned it. Really? She, she great kept using word. it. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm running with it. But yeah, no, just developing an emotional lexicon because we're more than just mad, happy, sad. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so, you know, degrees are experienced in, in, in degrees and, you know, emotions are experienced in various degrees and intensities. So, like, you know, you may be perturbed. You may not necessarily be mad, you, which is not as strong. Being perturbed is not as strong as being enraged, right? And the reason why it's important to know where you are and what you're feeling is that if you can identify what it is you're experiencing, you can talk yourself down. Yeah. But if you don't know how to deal with your emotions and you're afraid of them, you're always going to go to level 10, which is mm. usually pissed off, anger, enraged, and that's that. You get what I'm saying? And like and a coping so like, mechanism too. Like yeah. for me, I, I have a history of eating disorders. And so anytime I feel uncomfortable, I'd go to my control mechanism, which would be either to emotionally eat or, or starve myself. And it was just because I wouldn't, I wasn't accepting what was going on, you know? Right. Right. Makes and that's sense. what happens with anger because anger is so empowering. It feels yeah. empowering when you're angry, right? Because yeah. you're like, I'm mad as hell and I'm going to fight it. You know what I mean? So that's empowering for a lot yeah. of us. And so like that's this, that articulation is very, very important. Then, then the last case, alchemy, which is like my favorite one, is about transforming all that stuff into something greater, right? Mm-hmm. So taking the lead in your life and turning it into gold. So me, someone who was disempowered in his masculinity, I now empower men in their masculinity. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like trans- taking all of that muck and turning it into something greater. And so that's what it's about. It's about mastering the thing that's mastered you. Yeah, and that's where the whole going from survival to thriving kind of exactly. comes from, right? Yeah. Exactly. And so that those are the four A's. And it's just like, you know, I tell people like, you know, I had a client who dealt with physical abuse in a, in a marriage. I said, well, you know, you made it through that, but now you can teach other women how yeah. to get through it. And that is alchemy because now yeah. you're taking something that once defeated you and now you're defeating it by helping other women to not go through what you went through. 
Oh, totally. Oh, I could talk to you all day. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really want to talk to you about, I think I saw an interview. I've soaked up so much content of you, like I said at the start. It was I so really much fun. I really appreciate that. I'm <laughs> <humbled>. <laughs> it's so, so much fun. But I, I, and I'm also a, a, a very, uh, my work ethic is very, I'm very precise and particular. So I like to go as deep as I can. And anyway, I watched. Let's go. I, well, I watched this interview with you and you talked about um, willpower and determination. And I think when we've got a goal or we've got something we want to set out to achieve, initially you've kind of got that willpower at the start, right? Or even if it's right. the, I'm a nutritionist and even if it's eating healthy, right, and, and often my clients will eat really healthy for a week, maybe two if they're lucky, and then they won't. That willpower completely is out the window. And so I guess right. what I want to hear from you is where do we find that tenacity and that real, like, that stickability to maintain determination and willpower? Well, I, you you articulated that very well. I think the challenge with willpower is that it doesn't last, to your point. It doesn't mm. last. And that's where faith has to come in. That's where surrendering to something greater than yourself has to come in. You know what I mean? So like, you know, I, for me, it's, it's Christ. I talk about it. I'm, you know, it mm-hmm. is what it is, but for other people, whatever that is for you, surrendering to something greater than you having faith and relying on that instead of relying on yourself, that's, that has kept me through. Like, cause I know purpose. I'll do a diet for a week. I'll <laughs> eat vegan. I'll eat as clean as I can for a week. And then come Saturday, <laughs> I'm eating, you know, I'm eating something I don't need to be eating, right? I but saw today you've been too- to the gym today. You're all set. Yes. You had a good day. <laughs> yes. My, by the way, my, my physical trainer is kicking my butt. But anyhow, there's another conversation. But <laughs> That's good. It's also, it's also about the vision, right? It's also so yeah. it's about the surrendering. It's also about the faith. But it's also about the vision. What do you, what do you want, right? And I think for many of us, when you ask a person that, they are afraid to really tell you. And it's about really knowing what you want and giving yourself many goals, many things in, in between, right? Many goals. So like for me, I'll reward myself purposely. You made it through a whole week of eating clean. You know what? You can't eat that on Saturday, but you're going to get right back on it the next day because you know what I mean? Mm. You have this vision in mind. I have a vision of what I want. And so that's where that comes in. And it's not really, it's not necessarily willpower because, I mean, today I want to eat some pie. Oh, but I'm not. You would make you know what I mean? like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I really, I literally was walking past this, this uh, tea shop in Brooklyn. They make the best apple pie. The best. <laughs> I was like, Purvis, you know what? I said, you had three clients today. You worked out in the gym. <laughs> you did so good today. You deserve that pie. <laughs> and then I thought about it and I said, you know what? I can make it through this. I can make it through it. It wouldn't, and it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even willpower. It was just that conversation, like, well, purpose, you know what you want, what you're working towards. That's going to, you know what I mean? And you eating that pie, I'm not saying it's going to throw off everything else, but in breaking that, that stride and breaking that, yeah. that pattern, it can, it can disrupt everything. So for me, it's like, it's really about being grace, gracious towards yourself, not being hard on yourself. It's really about having faith, having a vision, setting up many goals, you know, and, 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 you know, finding the determination, you have to always know your why. Why do I want this? Why do, why am I doing this? 
I'm 40. I'm not 30 or 20 anymore. Why do I want to be? Because I'm 40. I want to be healthy. I don't, you know what I mean? My metabolism isn't what it used to be. You know, so it's like understanding my why. It's a, it's a combination of many things. It's a combination of many things. And I think for each person, it differs. Totally. But I definitely know those are the ingredients a part yeah. of it. I don't, I'm going to digress quickly just because I, yes. you said apple pie. One thing that you can yes. get in America and you cannot get in Australia, and it's my favorite thing, pumpkin pie. Oh, you yes, can't get it in Australia. So I just love the spices. You can't get it in Australia. But can I tell you the food was so good in Australia? It was so clean. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're very lucky we have access to so many great great produce and a lot of local produce. Like where we, I, I mentioned earlier, we're in a lockdown, but we're allowed to drive to pick up ingredients and there's where we live, we're in an area called Torquay and it's like, have you heard of Byron Bay before in Australia? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like the Byron Bay of Victoria, so it's surfy and gotcha. we drive to a local fishmonger that catches local fish and that's uh, the food that we – so it is it is completely incredible. But I totally digress. When you mention apple pies, like I've got to I talk about No, no, it's all good. I just want to tell, I just want to tell, I, I just want to tell you guys, that the, I tell everybody, I said the food was so clean in Australia. They asked – everybody's like, how's the food? I was like, it's very clean. And the air? Like, you Did you notice the straight. air? The air is really yes. nice here like because we've yes. got so much space. Yeah. I didn't have my allergies didn't act up. My skin yeah. didn't react. It was perfect. But anyhow, go ahead. <laughs> so good. So I guess now knowing that you've got this passion for and this uh, in yoga, I also teach yoga, there's this word we use called dharma. And uh-huh. that when you live your dharma, you're living true to your purpose. And it feels like mm-hmm. talking to you, you're living true to your dharma. And it is to, I think, yeah, inspire and help people. But I guess to bring it to the now and to what's going on today, how, what do you believe are the takeaways and the positive lessons that we can learn from this time of being in lockdown and facing a pandemic and our, everybody's plans have been pretty much thrown up into the air? Uh, you know, what are the, like for me, I was, I was on a flight booked March 18th to LA for work and it all just like in the, it just blew up at the, and it hasn't happened yet, and that's totally fine, but it's taken a lot of therapy sessions to kind of process yeah. that and be okay with it. And 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 tr- you, you mentioned faith before, really yeah. trust. Trust is a real big yeah. mantra for me. But, yeah, what are some yes. of the positive things that we can take away from this time of potentially being locked down? And- I'd, say, I'd say the biggest thing, and I've said this in numerous, in numerous interviews, it's a time of self-discovery. Right. I think many of us have not gotten a chance to know who we are. And even though some things may come up that are not necessarily pretty Mm. or not necessarily shareable with everybody. Right. Mm. And I think that's important for for it to to know thyself. Right. And so for me, even in this space, I've some things have come up for me that have been like, oh, wow, I dealt with that. Okay, I haven't. So let me just let me deal with it some more, which is great. Right. Because it's it's I'm on the journey towards wholeness. And so, like, for me, I think this is, again, I think it's a wonderful time for everybody to get to know who they are and not be afraid of that, to embrace who you are, um, to acknowledge some great things about you. Everything that comes up can't be yucky, right? You know, and and I think for a lot of people, that tends to be our bend is the yucky stuff. And we Mm -hmm. tend to ignore the good stuff that comes up because we're so, like, we're so hell-bent on the, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. But what about what is right? Mm. What about the fact that you can acknowledge that there's some things that are not working in your life? That's a positive. 
Mm. You know, I've heard you, and I've heard you mention that. Is is it true that our brain is wired to kind of focus on the negative? As it's almost like mm -hmm. a protection mechanism. Is that right? It is. Yeah, it's like it's easier for you to recall a negative experience than a positive one, mm. right? But it's but the brain is a muscle, so you have to train it to be positive. You know, so like this is the space. Like so, for instance, I have a married couple that I'm working with, and and they're making significant progress. Obviously, they have their moments where they kind of regress a little bit. But I tell them, I said, but you have to celebrate how far you've come. And they and, and every time I say that to them, they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, but you have come significantly far. At one point, all I heard was expletives the whole session. <laughs> and now you guys are talking to each other instead of talking at each other. That is an accomplishment. Mm. And so for them, I think, if they, I think that particular couple, I think they're now starting to embrace like, yo, I have grown. Or yes, I have some things that are not working, but I'm discovering this new aspect of who I am as a person. So I think self-discovery is, is, is one of the biggest things um, that's coming out of this pandemic with people. Totally. And I love that you said celebrate the wins, like celebrate yeah. the good things. In Australia, we have this thing uh, called tall poppy syndrome. It does not mm -hmm. exist in America, so you probably haven't heard of it. But basically yeah. we don't celebrate people when they succeed. We kind of talk down about them. It's a really yucky Australian trait. Uh, and and so when you kind of celebrate yourself and like in America, I'll go into a meeting and I'm like, yeah, I've written 10 books. And you can say that okay in America, right? And Americans will do exactly what you just did. And if you do it to an Australian, if you walk into a meeting and you're like, yeah, I've written 10 books, they'll be like, oh, ease up, get over yourself. Like Australians are very, uh, it's our nature to, to do that. And I think a big thing that my therapist has taught me is celebrate who you are and actually love who you are. And and, yeah. and that is a, when you walk into a room, you can feel, and I think that's why I was so excited to interview you, you can feel when someone's living their truth and they genuinely love themselves, like love themselves, love to the core, like love who they are. And and I, I love the way you've opened up about, you know, some of the, I guess the more lessons, this podcast is called Fearlessly Failing. And so I love Lord, to celebrate. I failed a lot. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> but I love that. I love, and, and, yeah. and I do want to ask you, have opened up about a few moments that have been quite tricky for you. But um, I know from researching you were bullied at school uh, yeah. a fair bit as well. And, like, for me, I believe that the failures are the biggest gifts because you can, like you said. You I can, agree. Yeah. Can, you, can you share an example of that potentially from your own life or a client, whatever? Well, so, you know, what's interesting. So I was engaged one time. People always like, really? I was engaged to another. Uh, she was a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. and um, really liked her. We really had good chemistry, but our conflict resolution style was trash, mm -hmm. right? And at that time, I didn't know how much anger I had inside of me until I got into that relationship. Unprocessed anger that didn't necessarily have to do with her, but was triggering for things that happened in the past and, and vice versa for her as well. And when I tell you I showed up in ways that that disappointed me like i failed like i definitely was like trying to one-up her and like be petty do tip or tag i just didn't like any of the ways that i showed up in that relationship but thankful that that happened because now i understood okay purpose you have some issues that you still need to deal with mm -hmm. and that was eight years ago 
But now, you know, I've had relationships since then, but when we had disagreements, they were not nearly as volatile as they were in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even know that I had that in me to be volatile. You know what I mean? And it wasn't physical, but just at all, but it was just, you know, volatile. Like, you you know, understand being a a toxic, a toxic environment. I didn't even know that I could do that. I didn't even know I was capable of, of that. And so that lesson in me failing myself, because I had this vision of myself, I was like, yeah. I'm this good guy, yeah. <laughs> I'm this Christian man, yeah. I'm all this and all that. And I was literally just being like, F you, F you, F you, like all of that. And so for me, I was just like, wow, that is a huge failure. But I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. I, that, I Thank you for sharing that. I love, yeah. I personally love the power of failure. And I've interviewed uh, Olympians on this podcast that have talked about wanting to commit suicide and then winning gold in the pool. And just, fast, yeah. it's, it's amazing how you can go, like, something so uncomfortable can end up being, and, and it's exactly what you talk about in your book as well, can end up being the greatest gift for keeping you, for uh, necessarily keeping you but maybe helping you on your journey I believe anyway absolutely because now I'm aware of something yeah. that I wasn't aware of before yeah you know? and you can work on it and and like you mentioned yeah. earlier on like words are powerful right and so by yeah. verbalizing and working on it there's so much healing to be done there uh, I've seen I've seen you talk um and I love this I wrote it down highlight I love mm. this um and you you've said Soul needs a tune-up. So your soul needs a tune-up. What do you mean when you yeah. say the soul needs a tune-up? Because I love, you should write a book called that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, I think adversity, I think suffering, I think hardship are good for the soul. Mm. I think that that's good for the soul because you don't get to know who you really are unless you've been through something. So for me, that's a tune-up. I think sometimes you need to be reminded you know, that's why I tell people, like, I don't, I'm always looking for the next lesson. <laughs> I mean, I, I try to be as present as I can, but I also know that it's the opposition. It's those things that really, really shape you and form you and you discover okay. new things about yourself. So that's what I mean by a tune-up. I think adversity is a tune-up to the soul because I think we need to know how powerful and strong we are. You don't know how strong you are until you go through something. You don't know what resilience is until you have to be resilient, you know? And those are, those are, and if you think about it, anybody who's lived the dynamic life, no matter who you look up to, a celebrity, whomever, they've been through some stuff. And so that, that's the stuff that forms you and makes you who you are. That's what I mean by the, the soul to them. Anytime we, you know, when we want to graduate to a new level, our soul gets tuned up. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's going to be my new mantra. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Uh, I can't believe how quick this goes. Like I said, I could talk to you yeah. all day long. Um, for anybody listening right now, uh, again, like I said, this is about failing, but it's also about celebrating that exactly the way you just spoke about adversity. For anyone listening that might not have been to a therapist, may not have been to a life coach, may not have been to a healer, I've heard you've been referred to as a healer before, um, Mm. what advice would you have for people listening as a little, like, takeaway if they're like, yeah, I feel a bit stuck and, yeah, I I, I guess I'm not, like, a lot of people kind of, like, feel a bit meh. I don't know what word to use for that. 
But what no, advice, I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah. What advice for people that just they want a bit of a shake up and they want to be able to take a bit more control or feel a bit more empowered in their lives? Well, one of the things I think is so important is is the awareness, right? So I always say this. I said, you know, no one is born ill-equipped. They're just born ill-informed, right? And so I always inform whenever I speak. I'm informing everyone listening right now, you have what you need to make it through your life. No one has to give you anything. You already possess it. It's up to you to believe it, to receive it, and to access it. But I'm telling you, you have everything you need to make it through this life for you to thrive, for you to become who you're supposed to be. And so that, to me, I always want to leave people feeling empowered. You don't like anything. You're just not accessing the things. Mm. You don't like anything. You're just not accessing the things and if people wanted to find a bit more access to that and feel that sense of purpose a bit more is it like i know you're big into mindfulness and movement and yeah um what 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 are some of the like basic steps or things that they can do to kind of feel a little bit more connected to that well i did you know one of the things that i did when I was in that space is that I had my friends do like this session of like a love fest, right? Where they would tell me things about me that I didn't know about myself or, and I think that's important. I think it's important for us to hear from our peers, from people who are objective enough, who love us, but can be objective and say like, yo, Lola, I think you, you have this and do that. And you're like, Oh my God, I didn't know I had that. Right. It's just that affirming. Everyone needs to be affirmed. Right. And I, I, I think, I think that's important. Now, the balance is is that you don't you don't depend on Lola to every, for every step. You just have to believe what Lola said. A mm. love fest. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Engage. Yeah. But that's what you know. But because we don't we we don't heal by ourselves. It's a community. It's a communal effort. Yeah. And so, like you know, even though it's a journey that you have to take mostly by yourself, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you know, for the most part, but. It is a communal thing because you have you have to have people who who wish you well in this journey. You got to have your cheerleaders, and so like I think that's one of those things. Like I always have my clients. I said, "Yo, go talk to your wife and ask her to name ten things about you that she loves that that you mm-hmm. don't recognize about yourself." And he's always, you know, whenever that happens, they're always shocked. Really, I love that. Mm-hmm. We start. My boyfriend and I start the day where we, before we get out of bed, we go, "What are three things we're grateful for?" And when we go to bed mm-hmm. that night, "What are three things we're grateful for?" And it's amazing how it sounds so simple and almost sounds. It corny. expands. Yeah. It expands, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you, there's this. We always catch ourselves going, "Oh, how lucky are we?" Like we feel so. And it's. It's. I think I've heard an interview where you go, "What you put out is eventually what you bring back in as well." Yeah. And Absolutely. Yeah. It's so if you want love, if you want love, be love. Yeah. If you want, you know, if you want friends, be a friend. You know, like it's it's just that simple. What's your take on fear? I feel like there's a lot of fear um, right now in the world. Like I'll, I'll even in meetings, it'll be you'll get timelines of work things, and they're like, "Oh, we're just going to push this a couple of months because we don't know what's happening in the world." and and you can feel, and, and especially I mentioned earlier, we've gone into our third lockdown here in Victoria. And even when you go to the supermarket, the moment they'd announced that third lockdown, the shelves were empty. All the meat yeah. was gone. Every, it, look, it looked like it had been just like completely cleared out. And you could just feel that you could feel the fear in the air. Yeah. What's your take I think, on fear? 
I think fear oftentimes it has to do with the absence or the feeling perceived absence of control. Yeah. And I think for many of us, we feel like we're in control, but we're really not in, in control as we think we are. Cause I think I the moment you leave your house, you're out of control. The moment you leave your house, you're out of control. Wow. And you know what I mean? And it takes faith. Again, you get on a plane. You don't know yeah. if that plane's going to land. You get in your car. You don't know if you get... Like, you know, but it, in our minds, we think that we have some sense of control. And so I think fear oftentimes is... It's, um, be, it's, it's the sense of the comfort zone being taken away. Mm. It's the sense of control being taken away. Totally. And so I always ask myself when I'm feeling fearful what do you feel like you're not in control of or what sense of comfort is being taken away? And a lot of times when people are, aren't able to forgive is because they've been so comfortable holding a grudge against this person. Wow. Yeah, comfort. Do you know one thing I did that was a great lesson in fear and control? I skydived. I jumped out of a plane. Yeah, that's, <laughs> exactly. And exactly. you have to give up and a, a lot. lot. Of do that. A lot of life coaches do that with their clients because you recognize that you're really not in control. I can go to the store and not come back. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the reality. But I don't have fear about that. Yeah. Why? But then I have fear when you when you tell me, oh, we're on lockdown and and all of a sudden, oh my God, I'm (laughs) you you get what I'm saying? Yeah. You gotta apply like what what are you what do you, what is what is seeming like out of your control and what comfort is being taken away? Yeah. And this is by asking that and then getting to the heart of that. And once you can address it, then I feel like it kind of subsides a little bit. Totally. I'm not and saying I, being concerned. Being concerned and being fearful are two different things. Very. You know I, mean? I was going to say it almost feels like fear is a constraint of the mind. A little bit like time is. is when we put these plans and timelines on ourselves. It's like that just feels like a constraint of the mind. It's like there has to be this sense of, and I keep wanting to come back to this, you say faith and trust and yeah. like, uh, yeah. That's where it comes surrender. That faith, yeah. trust, surrender. That's where that comes into play. Like, all right, this is bigger than me. I can't handle it. I'm just going to trust. You know what I mean? Because it, it's really that. Yeah. Because everything, everything can't be figured out in your mind. Sometimes you got to just be like, I don't know, and be comfortable with, I don't know, but I trust that I'm going to get through this. Yeah. And that's okay. That's powerful, though, the moment that you can do that. That's, that's very empowering, I think. But I think sometimes we're forced in those positions to get to that place. Like this, like COVID stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like COVID. <laughs> totally. Uh, okay, so if people want to, I know I'm going to put all the links so people can learn about you. I'm going to post about you on Instagram. All good. But what's next for you? What's next for Purvis? Like, what can oh we learn? My yeah. Um, so a school, a university has contacted me. They wanted me to teach a course to like incoming freshmen on how to like thrive on thriving, oh. how to thrive in college and things like Amazing. that. Amazing. Like, oh, wow. Really? So I don't know. I mean, like I, I definitely, I would love to come back to Australia and do yes, some more please. work. I want to <laughs> travel. I want to travel and go all around the world. Um, just talking about what I, what I talk about. I love it, and I'm sure you absolutely will, my friend. I, it's been a total <laughs> honour to have you on this podcast today, and thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself with us. Big love. Thank you so much for being so awesome. Big love. <laughs> Bye. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. 
As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lola Berry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love.